space of a generation. For Cheryl, the struggle to make something great is always in there, and she commanded the spotlight. You never questioned whether Cheryl was the boss. This thing, this nerve-wracking thing, and ultimately, this rewarding thing. It's always hard to look back and talk about who you were, because it's only who you think you were. I've always had real high highs and real low lows. All of a sudden, you wake up and you realize, wow, I just went into a hole. To put everything in my life aside, it wasn't a healthy situation for me. I just was like, what the F just happened to my life? Riding this level of success can be suffocating. What are you going to sacrifice as a woman to be allowed this? Not everything in your life is going to be mapped out for you. There are going to be things that happen that you wouldn't have been able to dream about. It's joy, man. It's just joy. Well, a little bit of the music is in there, so I'll give it a copyright, Cheryl Crow, 2022. If you grew up in the 90s and you remember the radio <laughs> and you remember the albums... You remember the first time you heard All I Want to Do? Well, that's in the documentary. There's a really great documentary on Showtime called Cheryl, about Cheryl Crow. Singer, songwriter, producer. Really extraordinary artist. Like I said, if you grew up in the 90s, you remember Cheryl Crow, even beyond. She's still continuing. She just celebrated her 60th birthday in February. Doesn't look it. She has played everything from pop, rock, country, jazz, blues. I mean, think think of the pro... She probably doesn't like people calling her prolific, but she is. And what interested me was... So I'm watching the documentary. You know, there's a lot of things that you learn documentary they were it was really well done I haven't finished it yet so uh yeah <laughs> but I was I'm a fan you know I grew up listening to those songs and I grew up I, I've always felt let's let's get into the meat and potatoes of this documentary it was it's well done um Directed by Amy Scott. There's a lot of people in this. Laura Dern, Keith Richards, Joe Walsh, Emmylou Harris, Brandy Carlisle, Bill Patrell. Now, what's interesting is Cheryl Crow had been, she had grown up in, in Kennett, Missouri, and Missouri, as she calls it, and um, was doing music and became a school teacher and then did a McDonald's ad and got a lot of money from doing that McDonald's ad and then moved to Los Angeles started doing session work waitressing and then out of a fluke auditioned and got to go on tour with Michael Jackson 
for the bad tour. Yeah. And then came back and nobody wanted to do a, a blue eyed soul singer. So here we go. So then she hooks up with Tuesday Night Music Club and the rest is not history because I always felt, yes, uh, Tuesday Night Music Club is the album that introduced the world to Sheryl Crow. I mean, you have All I Want to Do and Leaving Las Vegas. There's, there's a story about that song in the documentary you have to watch. But I always felt the second album, that was really the first Sheryl Crow album. Not only it didn't hurt that she produced it herself, what had happened was her and Bill Battrell had gone to New Orleans to record, and it just wasn't working. So she, uh, so she fired him and produced the album herself, uh, along with her engineer, Trina Shoemaker, and Jeff... Um, what's the other guy's name? I mean, there's, there's a lot about this that we learned that we didn't know. And, and that's the interesting thing about documentaries. This is the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, by the way. I, I love documentaries because you learn things. Like with the Cypress Hill documentary, I didn't know that Sendog had left. I don't think a lot of people had known that and why. And with Cheryl Crow's documentary, Cheryl... You learn a lot of intimate things. You know, I think it's common knowledge that she dated Owen Wilson and she dated um, Eric Clapton. Of course, this is obviously before Eric Clapton got married again. Yeah. Um, but I want to focus on the Sheryl Crow album, the self-titled album that came out in 1996. That she produced and that says a lot and it and it was a big first of all it was a major success she won two Grammys best female rock vocal best rock album that was a self-produced album but she had help you know she had, uh, um I'm getting to it because I'm looking you know that's the thing with liner notes okay Trina Shoemaker and then Jeff um, Jeff Trot, who did the acoustics and background vocals. That Cheryl Crow album, and I remember it. That, in terms of the that that was twenty six years ago, and that really brought her into a forefront. And then she got in trouble because she had a song where it said, "Hey kids, hey." Uh, you know the the guns that they're buying at the discount Walmart stores, and so Walmart wouldn't carry the album. I remember that made the news, and in the documentary, and they go to Kennett, Missouri, and they talk to her mother, and her mother says, "Well, you know, if they want to go out of town to buy it, go and get it. You'll you'll." They said she because I love that that her mother is her promoter. It's like go buy the album. It's a good album, you know. Walmart's not going to carry it because Cheryl was saying, you know, when you lived in that small town, that was the only place where you could buy albums. <sighs> and so that Cheryl Crow album, that self-titled album, that was an enormous album. If you think about it, those of us who lived in none, I mean, think of the think of the songs. If it makes you happy, every day is a windy road, hard to make a stand. A change would do you good. Home. Uh, maybe Angel, Sweet Rosalind, um, 
Every morning, every other morning. I love that song. That album, it was such a... It, w- it was a fusion. A lot of people talked about it. Uh, and, and it was pop. It was rock. It was jazz. It was blues. It was country. And it was everything. And so I'm going to finish the documentary probably tonight. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. That's for someone who's still here, who's still relevant, whom I remember... And many of us remember when we were teenagers. I remember the first time If It Makes You Happy came out and people were just talking about it. Because it was just... And it, and it's a wave. It's a long... I, I'm trying to think if they shortened the song for the video. Because I remember... I had the... I, still, I think I still have the album. And then the Globe Sessions. The Globe Sessions is such a, such a great album. That album, I mean, you think about it. Um, well, the whole album was interesting. Is she had a Bob Dylan song in there called Mississippi, which he later put on. Um, yep, they did shorten If It Makes You Happy. Because If It Makes You Happy is five minutes and 23 seconds. And it's and it gets really country. Or as, as uh, my grandfather, who is from Kentucky, would say, it get real country. Country. Yeah. But the Globe Sessions, and she ended up winning a, a Grammy for that, this rock album, self-produced. A lot of women weren't doing that, and she was able to do it. The Globe Sessions, you've got my favorite mistake. There goes the neighborhood, river wide. It doesn't hurt. It don't hurt. I love that song. Maybe that's something, another great one. Am I getting through? Woo! Anything but down, the difficult kind, Mississippi, which was the Bob Dylan cover. Members only, Crash and Burn, Sweet Child of Mine, which was a Guns N' Roses cover. So yeah, this was this documentary, I'm watching it, and it really that brings back a lot of memories in terms of that wave that she rode. I remember the first time I heard All I Wanna Do. And how it was this kind of interesting free form because you know she's she's going into it. I I used to do parodies of it for friends at parties. All I wanna do is have a little fun before I cry with a bacon cheese next to me. Yeah. We would we would you know, all I wanna do I'm I'm not trying to get copyrighted right there. But um and it's in the lexicon, so we all know that or a change would do you good. Or any day is a windy road. It truly is. You're talking to someone who goes to a lot of concerts in the Bay Area. The San Francisco, Berkeley, Oakland area. That freeway is curved. And it always mystifies me that these fuckers go 90. That's why sometimes I'm in the fast lane. I'll get close to 80 and then I'm like, okay. I get out of the fast lane, slow down, because I'm not in a hurry to get home. I'm not in a hurry to get there. Now, when you're going into San Francisco and you and you really have to get ready because it's like, okay, you have to take the A119 lane, the uh, 
poll booths are no longer there. They're there, but they take a picture of your license plate. So I got smart and I thought, okay, let me just upload some money and it, and it works, but it, it will reload if you're low and it just sucks up the money. So like $7.37 each time you go through the toll. Okay. And then when you get on that, the Bay Bridge, people, people drive psycho. They're slow, but they're weaving in and out. And I'm like, oh, you hit me. So yeah. Every day is a windy road. That's that's where I was going with that. Don't worry. I, if I go off the rails with this podcast, it's like, hey, there, there's always a point to it. But, you know, Sheryl Crow and a lot of these artists, that's live music. When it, when it sounds good, if not better live than it did on the record. In the 90s, I was thinking about this the other day. In the 90s, you had a lot of people who could not play their stuff live. They couldn't even sing live. It was a studio creation. I, I learned that the hard way. You know, I was listening to TLC. Not, nothing against TLC. I love Waterfalls. But if you notice, they really didn't do a lot of live performances, especially on award shows. Left Eye would do her rap. Very rarely would they do anything live. Okay, I've n- I never saw them on tour, so I'm, maybe maybe they did it different. But see, a lot of the artists in the '90s, it was about lips. And Vogue said this, even though they could all sing live, all four of them, they all sang lead. Lip syncing was the way to go. Okay, so you have these artists within the rock and pop genres who literally have to prove it and prove to you that they can do it live that it, that it's not just about the studio that it's not just about because hey if that's what you want to do okay great you know you you just want to do it in the studio okay all right i i get it and so Whenever I saw Cheryl Crow on TV, she brought it. She always brought it. That's a professional musician right there. No faking it. And if she was, we didn't know. No phoning it in. You got on there and you played your ass off. That's what a professional musician does. And she brought it. And in the documentary, you learn that's what she came from father is a musician the mother was a musician they had a, the parents were in a swing band the mother gave piano lessons her grandmother played the, the church organ and later her mother played the church organ so that's why she likes the Hammond B organ okay so we're we're getting into the the to the DNA of musicians that it really is inherited and it and it is festered in that in that aspect. And she talks about how her mother would give her piano lessons and she'd be cooking dinner and she'd say, That's not your lesson, that's James Taylor. That's funny. To grow up in a in a house like that filled with music. That must have been fun. So she basically that that became her life, you know. She you could say she she wasn't a trained musician. It well, in, in, in a naturalistic aspect, yes, she was. 
but the osmosis and the family connection and the synapses to music is very apparent. And so I'm going to finish the documentary. So far, it's good. I, I love I always love it. You know, when you don't have too many talking heads, like you learn about her manager who had never managed everybody, still her manager to this day, uh, getting to be friends with Keith Richards. And I love Keith because Keith is like, oh, she's holding her own with Mick. So, yeah, because she's not letting Mick, you know, get get control right there. And then Emmy Lou Harris and how she lived for a time with Laura Dern. So, yeah, it's it's a really great documentary. I'm going to finish it. I, I thought it would be important to talk about it because, like I said, those of us, we grew up in the 90s. We were listening to the music. It was MTV. It was VH1. Here's the funny thing. I didn't have cable growing up. So if I wanted to watch live music, my outlet, and it was it came out 25 years ago. Chris Doritas, wherever you're at, um, always eclectic. He had a show in Los Angeles. He had a show called Sessions at West 54th. And it was on PBS from 1997, I think, to 2000. And I would always tune into it. You had live music. You had Paula Cole. You had uh, Katie Lang. Um, Went Marcellus doing Blood on the Fields with Cassandra Wilson and um, Joe. I think it was Joe Morton. I could be wrong. And Cheryl Crow and Beck and Patti Smith. Sessions is where I really got into Patti Smith and Beck and Cheryl Crow and Luscious Jackson. So it was a great alternative music, blues, R&B, rock, pop. Even Fiona Apple was on there. Sean Colvin, when Sonny Came Home, came out. So yeah, uh, even even Stockton's own Chris Isaac, who was on there in the 2000s. The Dixie Chicks, the Cranberries. And those are the shows that I really enjoyed. So when I did finally get MTV it was kind of like eh okay because that whole video aspect had gone I mean the people that really brought that back were people like Lady Gaga and and, um, others you know but yeah so if you lived through the 90s if you were a 20 something or teenager and you were listening to the music of Sheryl Crow Watch the documentary. You're going to learn a lot of interesting things. A lot of intimate details about this. Here's here's the beauty of it. She's not just a singer-songwriter. She's a producer. And that's a triple threat right there. And that's what I love. And so that... That part of the story, because, you know, that's always that's always the stressor is the second album, the sophomore album. Is it the it's the jinx? The first album was good. The first album was hot. And what I love about that story is and that's why I wanted to focus on the second album was that, okay, Tuesday night music club was popular. All I want to do and leaving Las Vegas um, and strong enough but really for me and I'm sure many of my generation the generation X 
the second album, the Sheryl Crow album, that was where we really got to know Sheryl Crow because she produced that album. That's impressive to me is that an artist has that kind of power to like, okay, I fired, I fired producer Bill Patrell. We're still friends. Um, Bill Patrell, I think, is a Canadian producer. He produced uh, Tool, many others. But to really have the guts and and the support of the engineers and the other musicians to produce that album. And since then, she's produced her albums. In fact, that's an industry fact that Cheryl Crow produces her own albums. She doesn't bring other people into the fold she does it and that's a vision that's an artistic vision and that's why I wanted to talk about this documentary is how apparent and how relevant she is as an artist I I think in these times we say the word artist so loosely but with her you don't because she really is the proof of the of the pudding right there the proof of the sauce is that it's a it's about putting the work in and i think we live in an era where all these musicians you know it's about getting it fast overnight overnight first album doesn't do well goodbye back then in the 90s if your first album didn't do well the record company would wait for you they'd say okay well, let's work on this because it was about honing the craft honing the musicianship I mean, you take it all the way back to the Bob Dylan days. Think of all the hits and misses that Bob Dylan had. And there was no talent contest. I've always had a problem with those talent shows. Because you look at people like Bob Dylan and you look at people like Janis Joplin. Would they have made it on those shows? That's why I don't like them. Uh, a true musician, they, they, you really have to sweat it out. You have to play the coffee houses. You've got to play the bars. And, you, and you've and you got to just hone your craft. And I think... Um, and that's not me sounding like, you know, uh, a snob, a music snob. It's the truth. That's why a lot of these artists don't last very long today. Because they don't know how to hone the craft. And then they start selling shoes and they start selling water. Okay. So learn to hone your craft and watch the documentary on Cheryl Crow because she is still at 60 years old honing her craft. Don't rest on your laurels, unpleasant dreams. <laughs>